So um, moving on, that's uh, another story that we'll, we can always share. <laughs> moving on to the my final one is Nefarious from I believe it's 2019. There's a couple movies titled Nefarious when I was IMDBing things and stuff like that that are all kind of came out around the same time. So Nefarious, the the plot itself is about uh, it's in England about a group of young people that are you know, down and out and living in the, the English projects. And they decide that their boss or one of their coworkers, his brother is wealthy already and just came across a large bunch of money through, I believe it was the uh, lottery type of, he won much more money and they decide to go rob this guy. And then as they're robbing him, are going to be a part of this, it becomes like a, what is that, don't breathe type of scenario hmm. where they kind of get trapped in the house and he's, you know, sadistic and all this stuff. Uh, that's fine. Whatever. I love British crime, th- gritty, or gritty British crime thrillers a lot. Um, I have a fondness for don't breathe just because it's set in Detroit. And um, I know a lot of the areas and my, most of my family's all from there and stuff like that. So I have an attachment to that in that sense. But the movie itself, it becomes, this is kind of where it, I think a lot of this festival tried to, like, here's the new type of grindhouse films. That's what many of these, at least from what I saw, are geared towards. And for this one in particular, there's a lot of elements that can, I, I guess, are downright offensive. And I don't know how to put it in a nicer way, but it is in terms of some of the portrayals. Um, you have these characters from you know the projects and they're not really well fleshed out. There's the dialogue between them. The main woman, who I guess is the final girl, is if we want to deem it that way, she came from a place of what sounds like um, more money, but then became a drug addict. And now she's in there and doesn't really want to work or do anything. And then the, her boyfriend who is even chatting with another woman in the apartment, who is the maid as well to the guy. I don't know. So he even, you know, they talk about basically sleeping together, even though they're right. And it's supposed to be secretive and the secret affair, but they're saying it loudly right outside of her door, which I don't know if that was just blocking issue or what, but yeah. With that all being said, then it gets to kind of our, the main antagonist, the wealthy man who his brother is somebody with a mental illness or I guess as they would say, or learning disability or however you want to put it. Um, I say it that way because it is portrayed in a very, in the way that if you were to ask a non-acting middle schooler how to portray somebody um, with um, special needs, they would portray it in that way. And this is an adult male. And I even remember having a conversation afterwards about it and saying, well, you know, maybe there's some issue with the actor himself, but I made sure I watched it. <laughs> other videos of the actor stuff like that he is a 
full functioning adult, I guess. And um, yeah, it was just this portrayal was incredibly <laughs> offensive to the point of like, I, it was hard to get through for a while. And um, it was very rough to get through. And that's probably one of the worst reviews that I've ever given, which may say some. I don't know if it says something or not, but yeah, I didn't really care much for it just because of that. It instantly turns you off, and and the movie itself just kind of plays, I guess, like you would expect. It's also some of the structure elements. It starts out, and our final girl is in, being interrogated by the by police detectives, but then she's telling it from a story where she is hardly involved. So you're wondering kind of how is she telling this story to the officers when there's so much of the narrative that doesn't even feature her. Um, but yeah, so that is nefarious. I personally wouldn't recommend it, but if that's your cup of tea, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, it's terrible, <laughs> incompetent, and offensive. But if you happen to like that's that, what you want to watch. if you like all that stuff, then go right for it. But <laughs> yeah, all right. I barely got I got through it purely for the sake of this review. But if it was any other time, I would have, yeah, I would have turned it off by like minute fifteen or whenever that character is introduced. Fair enough. Um, so my last one is Witch Stars. <laughs> which I later found out was, uh, in fact, a different movie, and it was re-edited into this film. Um, <laughs> so that's weird. <laughs> Fun yeah. to know. Um, basically, it's uh, there's this kind of preamble that tells you that there's these uh, there's going to be kind of this meteor shower on Halloween, and it's these spirits coming down to like possess people. It's like these witch alien spirits. So, but it really ends up just kind of being a zombie thing without them calling them zombies. This this town or whatever is uh, is is being in, infested with zombies. Uh, it's a Spanish movie, I think, and it's actually it was kind of weird because it's on YouTube publicly. Yeah, and so like I watched it with the closed captions that YouTube does. Not there were no actual subtitles. So how good of the translation it was, I don't know. Um, but basically, the story ends up being these kind of 20-something people are all getting together to have a party at someone's house, and there's people going to meet them, and the zombies attack. Um, and it's just a kind of a broad horror comedy for the most part. It was kind okay. of fun, kind of ridiculous, pretty low budget. Um, they do a, It's like hard to criticize anything... Because they literally, <laughs> they literally do like Ed Wood type uh, miniature okay. and model stuff uh, okay. that you can tell is fake, but it's kind of fun. So you just, I don't know, I don't know how to criticize it when the movie is <laughs> not taking itself yeah. that seriously. Um, so I mean, yeah, it was definitely the best of the three. Not that it was great, but it wasn't taking itself seriously. So it was at least just kind of silly uh horror comedy fun basically so kind of like in chester's bird as dan was saying where like yeah it, yeah it was yeah. yeah it's like it a knew what it was and then embraced it type of you know yeah so even though it's not the greatest it's like 
it gets points for being self-aware for sure. Okay. okay. So now we're on to oh, Death God. Ranch, which of course <laughs> I highly reckon we can put in the show notes as well. Um, I highly recommend for you to read our complete review just for the sake of Dan's <laughs> rant if he doesn't get to all of it in this as he's taking a big drink of energy Here we go. um okay so to, so to start with um did anybody else get a chance to see death ranch did anybody watch it i i didn't because of your reviews <laughs> same here yeah it was so bad i was like oh, i'm just gonna trust him okay yeah. <laughs> okay death ranch um written and directed by charlie steeds uh yes he is responsible so um how to sum up this movie long story short um let's see we are in the 1970s um we are in the south basically i'm just checking to see yes there we go 1971 tennessee um there are uh three siblings uh two brothers a sister um who are on the run and happen to run into a gang of cannibalistic clansmen, which is a problem because our brothers and sister are black. Um, yes, three <laughs> black people facing off against a group of cannibalistic clansmen in 1971, Tennessee, a black exploitation movie uh, written by a white dude. Um, <laughs> I cannot begin to dis describe my frustration with Death Ranch um, because this ties a lot kind of into other things that I've been doing, um, like as a creative professional. Um, you could talk about it, too, if you want. For, oh, okay. Um, okay. So um, because this is radio, uh, I am a um, black biracial person. Um my um, father is black, my mother is white, um, and the story of their particular union happens to involve a lot of racism. Um, also, in my work in the Michigan theater community, I've been specifically engaging with anti-racism, which is basically trying to get Michigan theaters, um, predominantly theaters that are run by majority white people, to recognize the ways in which the way that they produce and create um, art has been exploitative towards people of color. Um, I'll use the term BIPOC, uh, Black Indigenous People of Color, or Latinx artists. Um, and one of the main things that it is hard to get um, white artists to recognize is that if you are going to tell stories that center the experiences or that center the history or specifically in regards to uh, racism in the United States and the Ku Klux Klan center the trauma um, of black people, then whether you like it or not, um, you are going to be judged basically on how well you succeed or how well you fail. Um, while not being a person who wants to necessarily say, okay, you as an artist can't touch this, you as an artist can't work with this, um, it is absolutely the right of those people 
whose voices you are attempting to channel, I would argue, in Death Ranch's case to exploit, um, to say, no, 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 this is, this is actually offensive. Um, this is actually pandering. This is actually trash. Um, as I said in the review, I don't know necessarily who this movie is for. I can tell you it's not for black people. Um, it is a black exploitation movie, sure. Um, but it's a black exploitation movie that seems very much uninterested in engaging in any kind of black cultural specificity. Um, like you could watch Death Ranch is like, oh, it's a black exploitation movie. Well, what about it makes it black exploitation? Because you know it sounds like a black exploitation movie. Okay, okay, but what does that mean? Um, well, you know, it has uh, black people as its leads, so therefore it's got to be for black people. It, no, but, you know, these are very generically written um, black people. You've got basically their archetypes. There is the guy on the run from the law. There's the quote-unquote um, slightly more spiritual older brother there's the sister who's a woman and she's black so empowerment um <laughs> and we'll get to that um <laughs> but that but that's really it the character you don't learn too much about them you're not necessarily meant to um because ultimately they're basically just there to beat up on the ku klux klan which I guess is supposed to be empowerment for black people because that's that's what black people like is just cartoonishly beating up on racists, which, uh, sure, but more than that, more than that, um, if you're, and this is what frustrates me as a movie, um, if you're going to make an actual horror movie, um, I can tell you from personal experience, I can tell you from family experience, the Ku Klux Klan, the actual Ku Klux Klan themselves, are horrifying. Um, their history and their influence on the United States, um, politically, uh, socioculturally, is genuinely terrifying. Um, what they were able to do and get away with um, towards black people in the United States is horrific in, in, in and of itself. The actual scariest moment in Death Ranch um, is literally just a, a, a black woman alone being dragged by members of the Ku Klux Klan towards a burning cross. That's actually scary um, because it's grounded in something. But the rest of the movie isn't really grounded in anything other than cartoonishly evil racists which on top of lowering stakes is easy it lets people off the hook um and this is something else i think in terms of white artists dealing with topics of race it's shocking and infuriating the number of times that white artists will attempt to create something that deals with topics like racism or topics like um, anti-LGBT discrimination, but do so in a way that lets themselves and lets the white audiences that watch the art off the hook. Um, and again, while not saying that artists can't do whatever they like, 
Um, I have a very hard time as a black person watching a movie that's on paper a black exploitation film, but not really. Um, on paper, a movie that is about black people, but not really. On paper, a movie that's about race, but not really. Um, watching that, knowing that a white person created it, and thinking, okay, well, any white person who sees this movie um, is going to want to say, oh, hey, look at that, because racism is a problem. Look at 2020. We all know that racism is still a problem. But by putting it in such a ridiculous and farcical context, um, it allows that degree of separation, which I think removes the necessary step of interrogation that I would argue is required when talking about these kinds of issues. Um, because it it's looking at it and saying, well, I'm not like that. So. Right. Right. Yeah. I'm not like that. Okay, well, okay, but nobody could possibly be like fucking this. Uh, oh, God, <laughs> sorry. I, is this a child's podcast? No, it's not. You're fine. <laughs> okay, <laughs> fuck. Um, you could, you could swear. Yeah, don't sorry. worry. Um, you know, I'm not like this, but I would argue that saying that these movies help, movies like Death Ranch help, yeah, no, but they're actually part of the problem because you're basically using um, black people and black dramatic aspects of black history to sort of get your storytelling rocks off. Um, and you can make the same argument for something like Django Unchained, but at least Django Unchained at least somewhat attempted to engage with the actual history of slavery in the United States. Uh, I wouldn't say that it's a perfect movie, but I think it tries a lot harder than Death Ranch does. Um, on top of which, if you're going to lean into exploitation, um, that's one thing. But if you're going to lean into exploitation within a particular highly racialized context, and then as a white person create this sort of very exploitative context, and ask black artists to participate in it. Um, spoiler alert ahead, because I don't care. The fuck pit sequence. Um, there's a sequence in which our hero, um, Brandon, um, goes to rescue his sister, Angela, from the fuck pit, because since she's both black and a woman, it's not enough for her to be terrorized, brutally murdered, and eaten by cannibalistic clansmen. She's also going to be raped first. So he goes down into the pit. You get to see the sequence of Angela tied down to a filthy mattress with a clansman on top of her. And of course, the clansman is cartoonishly um, about to rape her and cartoonishly um, making crude comments about lube. Um, So that was the point of the movie where I tapped out, where similarly to Craig, like if I did not have to continue watching this goddamn movie, I wouldn't have. Um, because on every single level, you as a white artist are asking a black actor um, to 
experience the sort of cartoonish brutalization. You as a white male artist are asking a black woman um, to perform in this kind of sequence. Um, what consideration are you giving to say a black woman who might watch this movie? And this is again what I mean about whose perspective are you centering? Uh, because I do think that whether we like it or not, as artists, as creatives, we also always have to have this idea in mind of who, who exactly is going to be watching what we create. And I would argue that any creative individual um, who was actually considering Black people, as again, this is quote-unquote a Black exploitation movie, it's claiming to... Um, would consider the impact that a scene like that would have on the person performing it, on people watching it. Um, and that consideration is absent. And then, dramatically speaking, it doesn't even quote-unquote work because the Klansman straddling Angela um, makes reference to, oh, well, get out of here, such and such. You know, you already had your turn. Oh, so Angela has already been raped. Our hero... Brandon isn't even stopping, quote unquote, the worst from happening. It's already happened. Um, which, oh, well, it's just a movie. Oh, well, but don't present something in a movie if you don't want someone to think about it. And it's just such a weird choice. It's a weirdly dramatic choice, but you want to have your cake and eat it too. This movie wants to do that left, right, and center. Um, And it, and it was at that point, I'm just like, oh, you, you literally just want Black people um, to play around with. You literally just want a Black exploitation story to play around in because you know it's cool, because you know it will sell. Um, you won't even have the decency to, I guess, uh, commit fully to exploitation. Um, which again is a very odd choice to make in a movie that's as racialized as Death Ranch is and while I would be similarly appalled if it was fully, fully exploitative I would at least give credit for okay you are intentionally trying to push as many boundaries as possible but this movie is even scared to do that um which it should be because it knows on some level that it could get in trouble for doing what it's trying to do. I, I fucking hate dishonest movies. I hate dishonest movies. I, I cannot... One of my fundamental problems in art is art that presents itself as trying to be one thing when it actually wants to be another thing. Um, because it doesn't have the courage of its convictions or because it doesn't know what the fuck it's talking about or because it knows it's playing in a sandbox that maybe it shouldn't. Well, then don't. Then don't. If you know that something is outside of your experience, if you know that something is outside of your purview, if you know there's something that you're scared to do, it's okay not to. It's completely okay not to. Um, I'm sorry. I have gone on for far too long. Um, I want to give a quick shout out to the three leads of Death Ranch, I will say that right there, DeAndre Teagle, Faith Monique, 
Travis Kuttner, um, playing Brandon uh, and Angela and I'm sorry, I'm looking up the third person, Clarence, um, the three leads of Death Ranch. Um, from looking at um, the internet, doing a little bit of research, I believe they're sort of younger in their careers. I wish them every success in the world. I hope this movie is able to push them on to much better things. Um, fuck this movie. Left, right, and sideways. Um, you know, because, okay, people have low budgets. People do the best they can. Granted. But part of also being an artist is accepting the fact that sometimes you just make fucking bad art. Um, and Death Branch is bad. So. <laughs> Good. So I highly suggest, I mean, Dan covered most of it here. But to check out our review on Ginger Nuts of Horror with it, um, he goes in a little bit more depth. And yeah, it's, I think the review itself is worth reading, even if the movie's not. I'll say that. Um, but I think that was kind of the issue with, you know, Grindhouse in its, in its nature and movies trying to be a Grindhouse film. Their nature, um, if there isn't that, you know, we're used to, I guess, Grindhouse like the Tarantino and what is it? Robert, Robert Rodriguez. And then there was the hobo with a shotgun and all this stuff where it was like going comically over a top over the top for what these movies used to be back in the 60s and 70s and all that. But I don't know. I don't think any of the films that we really talk about besides the um, at least the three that I watched. I know Kyle and Dan talked about had one each that you know because they embrace some humor or stuff like that they worked a little bit better but it just i don't know it there's elements that don't work i think that was a lot of the issue mm-hmm. um but oh, i know sorry. yeah dan why you you wanted to say something <laughs> ah, sorry i talked a lot um <laughs> no I was, I, was, I was actually gonna say um have, have you seen uh the movie adiosio tom goodbye uncle tom have you seen that movie I don't think so. Okay. Um, because I was thinking a lot about Death Ranch and Adiosio Tom. Let me, um, Adiosio Tom, it's an Italian um, exploitation film, which basically, um, it's a quote-unquote documentary about the American slave trade. It is possibly the most offensive movie I've ever watched, but it put me a lot in mind of thinking about Death Ranch as well, just because going back to exploitation, um, because I do think ultimately Death Ranch is exploitative, as is Adiosio Tom. The difference is Goodbye Uncle Tom knows it and commits to it on a level that if you actually look at the research of the production itself is shockingly morally suspect. I would say evil in a couple of circumstances, but because of that, it's more honest about what it's attempting. It's a more honest movie than death ranch. Just throwing that out there. Jeez. Okay. (laughs) Uh, So I think that wraps up our chat about the dead and Sudbury film vessel. I know they had a couple other films I don't think that we received, but 
don't know, this year has been a crazy one, but it's been odd because a lot, I would say that there's been a great number of festival successes throughout the, out this year, despite everything, but yeah, for some reason, as a whole, Dead and Sudburied has been a, a rough one. Bloodhound Picks Podcast is part of the Morbidly Beautiful Podcast Network, produced by Josh Lee, Craig Drum, and Kyle Hintz. Music by Raymond Seed. Editing by Kyle Hintz.